My name is Bryce Wasserman, and this is Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie Omiller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside. Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What is going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We appreciate everyone that tuned in to our episode with Tom Schreiber last Friday night. Um, and his big announcement about him joining the Epic Lacrosse team, really excited for him and excited to hopefully make some more content with him going forward. Really sorry, Tom, about the, the tough five and five questions. We didn't think they were that difficult to throw at you, but we certainly had fun uh, having you on the podcast. But today we we're going to talk about the waiver wire ads that happened this past week, as well as those that didn't happen and the biggest snubs that we think could maybe land on a roster uh, right before training camp. We're also going to discuss the open defensive coordinator position with the Atlas and the big Brent Adams trade to the Atlas as well. Let's start off with that, Adam. Brent Adams to the Atlas only for a fourth-round pick in next year's draft. What was your reaction when you heard he was being traded to the Atlas from the Cannons? Yeah, Cannons fans, you, you thought you got your boy back, and, and just like that, he's gone that quickly. I, uh, my, I laughed when I saw the PLL announcement, uh, the, the graphic for the trade, because it said Brent Adams trading from the Cannons, uh, to the Atlas, and it was a picture of him in the Redwoods jersey because he never even got a chance to don uh, the the new uh, Cannons look. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was an All Star in 2019, top 50 guy uh, this year in 2020. So uh, it, it's it's really surprising that they were only able to get a fourth round pick uh, for a guy that talented. Yeah, I'm not really surprised that it was only a fourth round pick. Yeah because the trade got made, I'm more surprised the trade got made. Cause I think what people need to realize is there's so little leverage with making these trades. You know, there's only eight teams. It's not like in the NFL where, you know, somebody gives you an offer that you don't want. You can go to 31 other teams or 30 other teams and, you know, ask them like this. It's like Redwoods aren't going to get them back because they left them unprotected, which, you know, was probably, that was the biggest shock to me up until this sure. point. Now I'm shocked that, not only was he unprotected, but he got traded away. Um, and then you so the Redwoods, you can rule out. Obviously, you got the Cannons, have him. And it seemed like the interest, the only interest there was really the Atlas. So the Atlas are going to be able to set the terms. If they're only offering a fourth round pick, you know, and a deal is going to get done, that's what the deal is going to get done for. So, yeah, is it a steal for the Atlas? And is Brent Adams completely undervalued in this trade? Absolutely. But if a trade's getting done, it's really not that odd i think you know until you start to see contract details length of these contracts um you're going to see a lot more of these lopsided trades i mean we kind of talked about the connor fields trade you know that's no disrespect to ian mckay i think the fit for both teams is way better but you know you could have probably potentially got some more assets out of connor fields if you're doing it based on a pure asset um transfer but you know that deal's not going to get done because no one's going to really make that trade. You know, it was probably again only the archers really on the Connor Fields market. Maybe there's a few other teams having discussions, but that's the biggest thing takeaway is that these trade values, you know, and how the teams value players aren't going to really, you know, match their skill set. It's just what you're willing to give up. Now, if I'm Coach Quirk, 
And Ben Ruber comes to me and says, I'll trade you a future fourth round pick for Brent Adams. I tell him to kick rocks, you know, like that's what I would do. I would keep Brent Adams. I don't understand why you trade him if that's all you can get from him. But if coach Cork, you know, had some other guys in mind to bring on his roster, he obviously made a lot of waiver wire moves, which we'll get to. Um, and he was interested in moving Adams. Like that was really all he could move Adams for. So that's, I guess, my biggest takeaway from this trade. Uh, was it a steal for the Atlas? Absolutely. But if a trade was going to get done, it was going to get done for, you know, a low return, I guess, for the cannons. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I just, I just can't wait for the day that there, uh, I can close my tab for my NBA trade machine and bring up my PLL trade machine and, and, and mock trades and do all the crazy stuff that NBA Twitter does. Um, really looking forward to knowing contracts, knowing all of that kind of stuff to, to be able to analyze these trades a little bit deeper. Yeah. And right now, you, you know, you just can't like do it and you'll, you'll see trades in other big sports that are kind of similar to this, where it's like, you know, assets are traded and they don't match, you know, the value, but then you look at the contract details and you can kind of justify it. this. You can't really do that because yep. you're not trading contracts, you know, contracts with the league. Um, and again, back to like, there's only eight teams. So if deals are going to be made, I'm, I'm shocked as many deals have been made as they have been. And honestly, if you look at them, they have all been with pretty big name players. And that's because if you're not a big name player, you're not getting traded because there's probably a comparable player on someone else's roster. And that's, you know, again, this isn't a disservice to Brent Adams. He's, you know, a top player in this league, but you know, not many teams probably needed Brent Adams services, despite how good he is. And that's what it comes down to with a lot of these PLL teams. They're so stacked that it doesn't make sense to make a move. That's why you won't see Dylan Ward traded because Dylan Ward is going to demand a high return for coach Andy Towers and he's not going to get that return for Dylan Ward. So why move him? You know, why not just keep him on your roster? And on the flip side, no other team's going to want to trade for Dylan Ward because, you know, it's not going to be that huge of an upgrade. I think Dylan Ward's an upgrade on almost any team, but is it going to be that big of an upgrade? I'll pose this. If you're the Atlas, you have Jack and Cannon on your roster. Would you rather have Dylan Ward or Jack and Cannon as your goaltender? Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Dylan Ward. You'd rather have Dylan Ward. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But if you're Ben Rubior, why on earth would you trade a top goaltender like Jack and Cannon for Dylan Ward? And I'm not saying this is, you know, just an example, like you could do this for a lot of different teams, you know, Redwoods, I think Dylan Ward's slightly better than Tim Troutner, but why would you trade Tim Troutner? He's a great goaltender. You know, it's there. Every team has a great goaltender. So why trade for, you know, a one to 5% better goaltender, you know, that might make a difference in the long run, but it's just not, doesn't make sense at this time to give up assets to get that you know you're pretty content with who you have yeah and we talked about too off pod about kind of if you did decide to make that trade for those assets you're going to have to make room on your roster in other areas right if you're if you're trading what a, a first a second and a player for dylan ward whatever whatever the case may be is you have to fill two positions that you already think you're stacked at, right? Most of these coaches are really excited um, uh, about uh, kind of where their roster is right now. And, you know, another really good point that Tom brought up in our last pod is a lot of these teams um, are, are built and really structured around the, those core guys that came in uh, year one, right? And, and those really strong connections. And um, you, you've obviously seen guys change teams over the last few years, but a good bulk of those guys that came in year one are still with those teams. And that connection and that camaraderie uh, is something that not, we didn't just hear from Tom on Friday, but we've heard a lot over the last two years. Yeah, no, these coaches are, they're building teams. They're not, you know, 
building an all-star team. They're building an actual team that can compete and there's chemistry there. I mean, just the chaos are a prime example. They didn't make any waiver wire ads. They didn't really need to. They have a bigger roster and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, but you know, they have a bunch of Buffalo bandits guys on their team trading for Ian McKay, like brilliant move. You know, he works well with Dane Smith, Josh Byrne, you know, they, a lot of the Canadian guys have played together before. Um, you saw a Nick Washuda getting added to the archers. Again, we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, but you know, history with coach Cav and Vermont there, you're, you're seeing a lot of, you know, known, and that's why maybe there has been some snubs. Um, you know, there's definitely some players that I think, you know, I don't care if they've never played with any of the guys on your team, definitely deserve a shot, but that's why you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, again, coaches value team chemistry. And again, you're building a team. You're not building an all-star team. Like, you know, I, again, I think Brent Adams, there was a place for Brent Adams on this Cannons team. Um, but if you're going to move them, you know, if at least the Cannons got a pick in return, like they may, got value from that. They got Brent Adams pretty much for free via the expansion draft. Um, you know, again, that's, you know, I think if you kept Brent on your team, you're going to get another all-star player on your team. So that's why, again, I don't make the move. I say no, if anyone comes to me and it's an offer that isn't, you know, up to what, I want for Brent Adams, but clearly it was enough for coach Cork to make the move. Um, and that's kind of where I stand on it. I, yeah, I, I think it was a steal. The Atlas got a steal in Brent Adams. I think he's probably motivated more than ever because he was left unprotected by the Redwoods and now traded for a future fourth rounder, which is practically nothing. So if I'm Brent, I'm coming back with a vengeance, but the fact that a deal got done, the return doesn't surprise me too much. I guess that's where it comes down to, but we have some other Atlas stuff to discuss, and that is the opening at defensive coordinator position. Now, our friend Rick Beardsley uh, resigned from the Atlas. He talked about it a little bit on Takeaways podcast. We won't get really into the details around that, but there's just a differing in uh, opinion and direction that they wanted to take the team. Obviously, Ben Rebor is making a lot of moves this offseason. He's taking it in a completely different direction, and that vision was obviously not quite shared with Rick. Rick also wants to take it a different direction, but they just weren't meshing. So that's why Rick decided to step down. Um, you know, I think the the opening lends itself well to see maybe Ken Clawson come in. Uh, you know, if I had to take, put money on that, I, I think that's going to be the guy that Ben Rubier hires. We haven't heard the hire since recording this podcast, but it probably looks like that's what it's going to be. Um, Ken Clawson stepping in who did a pretty good job with the outlaws last year and obviously has history playing with uh, coach Rubier at UVA. So it sounds like that's going to be it, but um, you know, talk to Rick, Rick wants to be back in this league. I think he's going to wait for his opportunity, but uh, there is an opening at the Atlas defensive coordinator position. And uh, we both feel like it's probably going to be Ken Clawson. It could be somebody else, but um, that's where it's looking right now from what we've been seeing and hearing. Um, and it, it just makes a lot of sense, you know, but uh, what are your thoughts too on the direction of this Atlas as a whole, um, you know, and kind of what they did in the entry draft. We talked about a little bit, but um, are you liking the direction Ben Rubio is taking it or are you still kind of, you know, waiting to see? Yeah. I, to be honest, I kind of want to see uh, what, what they do with, with how many picks they have in this upcoming uh, college draft, right? The, the book isn't finished yet, right? They coach Rubio hasn't uh, put, put pen to paper on that last page yet. And, and he's still building this squad and, uh, I can see them making a number of waiver claims uh, and, and kind of uh, additions as we go on um, through through training camp and whatnot. So um, he's building assets. He's building uh, this roster and kind of his image, you know. Some play, people were surprised about um, where some of the guys uh, he drafted went in that entry draft. But um, I'll wait to see 
until we see the the this new look atlas hit the field before uh, making any uh, anything out of uh, these moves. Yeah, and you know we mentioned Ken Clawson, obviously with the Outlaws history there. They added a bunch of Outlaws guys. Yep. You know, you got Kyle Pless in the waiver wire, who we'll get to. They drafted Michael Rexrode. They drafted Andrew Newbold. So those are already three defenders that Coach Clawson already has a history with. Um, you know, again, it this is it goes back to the kind of the chemistry aspect of things. It's not always important from coach to player, but you know, you see a lot of teams, you know, actually lean that way. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm interested to see what they're doing. I, I'm not sure yet. Like, I still want to see with the draft. Um, I, I'm, I like having players that have played pro lacrosse already because we project, you know, this, these college drafts and where teams could land. Like, they have six picks, including two in the first round. They're going to be able to add some of the top talent from college. But it's still always a gamble with college lacrosse players because you don't know how committed they are this summer. You know, we can project, like, who would be a perfect fit? I mean, I think it's safe to say that Michael Sowers is going to play pro lacrosse this summer, but you still don't know. It's a bit of a gamble with some of these draft picks. And that's why you see another coach kind of flip the other side, like coach Quirk. And now he only has two draft picks. Um, and he's added a lot of talent that's already played pro lacrosse, but we will get into that. We're going to hit, take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor and then dive into the waiver wire. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, welcome back. Time to dive into our waiver wire. We'll start with the Atlas, just because we were talking about them a little bit. Um, I mentioned already they added Kyle Plest from the Outlaws. They also added Mark Cockerton, who I was really surprised the Cannons didn't add, but not surprised if the Cannons didn't use their first pick on Mark Cockerton, he wasn't going to be around by the time they had waiver priority again. So um, not too surprised that he ended up somewhere else. Just surprised the Cannons didn't use their first pick on him. Um, but I like him going to the Atlas because he has history with Rubior. Yep. You know, that was his uh, offensive coordinator for two years when he was on the Cannons. Um, and they also added a backup goaltender in J.D. Calruso, uh, Albany guy. He was actually, I think, the e-bug for um, the PLL Championship Series along with Alex Reddy. So, you know, he was already kind of in the player pool um, waiting for his chance, and he gets his opportunity to back up Jack and Cannon. So any thoughts on the Atlas waiver wire? Nothing too surprising here, but um, do you like their picks? Yeah, you know, we, we, we were talking before the entry draft and before uh, the waiver wire opened up about, you know, what, what is Coach Rubier doing with this? It, the, the term re, uh, rebuild, right, kept coming up. Um, and this feels like more of a retool for me, right? I know I, I mentioned previously that um, I, I think 
you can rebuild and win at the same time because of the dearth of talent in, in this league and bringing in uh, a guy like Mark Cockerton shows coach Rubio wants to win this year. It's not just building for the future. It's building for, for now and the future. So I really like the Mark Cockerton pickup. Uh, I had uh, mocked a, a guy like Andrew Q uh, to the Atlas to, to fill a fairly similar role. So um, yeah, I really like that pickup. JD, really good goalie out of Albany, like you said. Uh, so he, he's building this team in his image and how uh, he wants to see it. So um, these moves make complete sense thus far. You know, and I, I kind of look at, too, some of these waiver wire ads as who added talent that I could have seen going getting drafted. And they added two guys here in Cockerton yep. and Pless. You know, I, I didn't have him on my mock, but I toyed with it a little bit. So, um, you know, I think it was another big move for them taking Pless here as well. Um, and I, I think, you know, they're continuing to rebuild and retool, like you said, but they're going to be able to compete day one. There's only eight teams, you know, and I don't know, we don't know how many teams are going to make the playoffs, but you know, odds are it's at least four, at least half the teams, if not, maybe even six. So you're, you're going to have opportunities to make a playoff run. Um, even if you are completely retooling and have a lot of young talent on your team. Yeah. And, and we saw, you know, worries about kind of having a whole new team like last year with the expansion water dogs coming in, they didn't have a chance to really gel, right? They went right into the season, uh, that short and condensed bubble. But the, uh, a team like the Atlas, who had a lot of new faces, um, they'll have that training camp to start to mesh and, and, and build that cohesiveness. So, Yeah, and by drafting people that have played on the same team, like Dan Bacaro, Kyle Pless, Michael Rexrode, um, Andrew Newbold, like you're already kind of – you know, creating that chemistry without even stepping foot on the field too. So yeah, I, I thought the Atlas moves were, were pretty in line with what I thought they would do. Um, let's move on to the archers. Uh, they made some pretty surprising moves more on my, my side, but I loved pretty much every single one of them. They picked up uh, LSM Latrell Harris, obviously plays in Toronto rock. And he was another guy that we didn't maybe think would get drafted, but should definitely have been on some people's radar. Uh, they pick up Nate Solomon who had a great year um, or a great bubble tournament last year with the Bayhawks. Um, and then Nick Washuda, my favorite pick, I think, by them. Um, they are they got their goalie of the future, I think. He looked great last year on the Outlaws. Big lefty, um, has, again, history with Coach Cav with the Vermont. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what this means for Adam Gittleman or Drew Adams because I don't see them, you know, keeping three guys on their roster. Obviously, you can have reserves in the PLL. So maybe, you know, they take Washuda to camp. And if he doesn't, if they still want to go with their two goalie system with those two guys, they can, um, you know, leave him on their protected roster or whatever. But I think he's going to crack a lineup. I, you know, I, I think it's really going to come down to who, who do you keep as a veteran goaltender, Drew Adams or Adam Gittleman? Washuda's already proven that he can play in a two goalie system. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I think it would be a disservice to him if you want him to be your future goaltender to not have him on a game day roster. But what are your thoughts on on the Archers pickups? I don't want to pigeonhole you and just talking about the goalie, but I'm sure you have some thoughts on Wishuda. Oh, yeah, I, I was really excited to see uh, the the to pick up. He obviously, like you said, played well for for the Outlaws in that really condensed bubble last year in the MLL, and uh, he he has the pedigree to to be a really good goalie in this league. Excited to see. I honestly, uh, I'll differ from you. I I think they're sticking with the. Uh, the the Gittleman Adams uh, duo uh, until further notice that they're 
very close um i think the archers uh to to winning a championship and i think it's not broken why fix it so i think they're going to stick with that uh build um uh with nick on that practice squad uh and go from there so i i don't see uh a better uh tandem of goalies to to learn from from at the pro level uh than the duo of gittleman and adam so good pickup uh don't see him necessarily um on an opening day roster, unless there, there's an injury for that Archers team. And really excited to see Latrell Harris get a chance um, in the PLL too. Excited to see uh, him ball out for this Archers squad in training camp to see if he can get nab uh, a roster spot. Yeah, and they, I mean, they added three, you know, stud poles in him, uh, obviously Graham Hasek and Warren Jeffrey, um, all, all Canadian too. Move over Andy Towers. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Hey, we got to give Archers a little bit of love for, you know, picking up some Canadians here too. And as a result, they dropped Davey Emila attackman to the player pool as well as LSM Mike Simon. I think Simon could still have a little bit of juice left in the yeah. tank. He posted on Twitter that he's still interested in playing and, you know, wants a chance. Um, so I was, you know, not surprised that the Archers dropped him because again, they keep adding, you know, upgrades at the pole position, but Mike Simon's no slouch. You know, he, yep. he did well sure. for them when they traded for him in year one. And then obviously last year in the bubble. So, you know, he might find his way on a roster too. And that's the other interesting thing, like, you know, him and Kyle Hartzell, we're talking about all these MLL players coming over him and Kyle Hartzell, I think can still play. Like, I don't think Hartzell had a great like season last year. And I don't know if I would, you know, take a chance on him, but they're, they're not bad poles guys. Like Kyle Hartzell got lit up on social media a bit by Grant Amon, but you know, He's not a bad LSM. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he'll get picked up. I think you'll just see him float in the player pool, Hartzell in particular. But um, it's just, you know, that's, again, testament to the talent because I don't think those – I think if there is a ninth team, those guys could easily make that ninth team. But, you know, when it comes down to it, like there's only eight teams and you need the right eight guy or you need the right guys for those eight teams. Yep. Um, and I don't know if, you know, that, that those two guys are going to fit in to any of these teams, just given the dearth of LSM talent. And we haven't even gotten to one of my snubs in CJ Costabile, who we'll talk about a little bit later. All right, moving on to the Cannons. They made the most roster moves here. Um, they added nine players, technically 10, by trading for Andrew Q. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But this is some Boston-heavy influence here. They added four former Boston Cannons, including MVP Bryce Wasserman. They added Chase Levesque, who played with Reese Eddy at Boston U. And then they added two-time NFL champion Chris Hogan, who played for the New England Patriots. So, yeah, you can say it's Cannons Lacrosse Club. In my mind, it's still the Boston Cannons Lacrosse Club yeah. because, again, this is going to be a Boston-heavy team based on these influences. Coach Cork obviously being a New England guy himself and coaching the Boston Cannons. Um, but what were your thoughts on all these moves they made? They are now uh, have a roster size of 30 and only two draft picks. Um, we'll get to a little bit how they lost one with the Andrew Q trade, but – um again it goes back to coach cork values pro ready players now um and that's how he's shaping this team but what were your thoughts and what was one of your favorite roster pickups from by him coach cork wants to go back to back he wants he wants to win that mll championship and, and win in year one in year one for him in the pll uh what a story that would be right um in terms of players i i you know my love for shane jackson he is such a stud i was really surprised he didn't get drafted reigning NLL MVP and really excited uh, to see him pair up with his uh, Georgia Swarm teammate, Lyle Thompson. Really, really excited uh, to see that happen on this Cannon squad. And another guy that, you know, really 
we didn't talk about uh, enough and, and doesn't get talked about enough is Holden Garland. Um, really excited to see um, what he can do. You know, really great uh, poll for uh, the Bayhawks last few years and really excited to see him suit up for the Cannons to see how he can do this year. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about how they added some Boston Cannons guys. It's a pretty Bayhawks-heavy um, team as well with Chase Levesque, Holden Garland, and Luke Anderson. Um, but, you know, the, the Cannons they did add were Scott Hooper, defense, Justin Pugel, who we both were not surprised at all that he was going to end up on a Cannons yep. roster, you know, at the end of the day. John Upgren, who had a great championship, five yeah. goals in the championship last year um, to win that for them. And Bryce Wasserman, you know, and I think Cannons was probably the best fit for him. Um, you know, it'll be interesting how they utilize both him and Lyle since they're yep. both ball dominant guys. But you added the finisher in Shane Jackson, who's going to have the ball in his stick for very little time, but it's going to find the back of the net. Um, so I was really excited about that one as well. And that was, I think the only waiver wire hit that we had was yours, uh, you know, mocking Shane Jackson to the cannons in this waiver wire. Uh, the rest, we were a little off on, um, yeah. but again, I was willing to put money on Cockerton going back to the cannons, but I think they wanted him back. And I think what happened is they probably chose to use their first pick on Bryce Wasserman and, you know, he just wasn't available when they came around and that's what forced them to trade for Andrew Q. So we'll get to that a little bit, but yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, you, you wanted to bet the house on, uh, on Mark Hockerton being the catch. You just bought your house. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't do that. Too. Yeah. Um, you know, I would be homeless at this point, <laughs> but I do want to talk about Chris Hogan a little bit too, because I had, you know, shot out a tweet that, you know, after the cannons moved Brent Adams, they could still use some midfield midfielders. And Chris Hogan was one that I thought would be a, a good fit. Now that's not to say that you can replace Brent Adams with Chris Hogan. I think I've already mentioned how I thought it was foolish for them to trade away Brent Adams. I would have liked to have seen Brent Adams on this cannons roster and then adding Chris Hogan as well. But um, I think we are still stuck in this mindset that the Chris Hogan move is solely a PR move. It is not. He's going to be one of the best athletes on the field without a doubt, having played in the NFL, I don't care what his age is. Like he's not that old guys. He, he's like 31 years old. And you know, some of the, the later guys we're going to talk about too, are kind of in their early thirties. And, you know, we say that's old compared to, you know, the younger talent and, you know, but pretty much for us plus 30 is old, but that's not really the case either. Like these guys can still play. Um, but in the Chris Hogan situation, I, I don't understand why everyone thinks this is just solely a move to get some attention like sure that's it's going to bring a lot of attention that's definitely a positive to it but this guy wants to play in the pll like it doesn't matter that he's a big name coming over from the nfl like that certainly helps but every time i put out something about chris hogan i'm doing it because i think he is actually going to be able to play well in this league he was a great player at penn state sure he hasn't played in 10 years but the skills you learn in football are pretty transferable let's not pretend like he is some bum off the street that's going to somehow, you know, just steal a roster spot from somebody. There's 240 roster spots. And I can tell you, Chris Hogan would not be my 240th player that I'm taking to camp. Do I think he's going to make an impact in this league? Yes. Is it going to be a huge impact? I don't know. But to say that he is stealing a roster spot from somebody else is very disingenuous to me. And I, you know, that's just how I feel about it. I, you know, and you can argue with that. That's fine. We'll see how it shakes out on the field. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, he doesn't have what it takes to play in the PLL, but I think the upside is there with a lot of these guys, you know what you're getting, you know what you're getting with a lot of these players that you're signing with Chris Hogan. You don't necessarily know what you're getting. And maybe that's why coaches are shying away from him, but maybe that's also why coach quirk decided to pick him up because he doesn't know, but he thinks the upside is good enough 
to use a spot on him. And I think that's a very valid reason to pick up a guy like Chris Hogan. It's not a PR move, but I want to move on from that and talk about this Redwoods trade that we alluded to. I think it's the one of the most brilliant moves of this off season. And that St. Laurent has cemented himself as the PLL trade master Supreme in my mind. He, I, I can think we can assume he picked up Andrew Q again. We don't know how these, what the waiver order was like when these guys were picked up, but I would assume he picked up Q first and then Phipps. Maybe it was the opposite. But all I know is he picked up Q and flipped him for another pick in this draft by trading him to the cannon. So, you know, Shane Jackson's a lefty finisher. Um, I think coach Cork really, really wanted a shooter. And I think he probably had in mind, let me get my guy Cochran back. And if I can't do that, pick up Andrew Q again, no slouch there. You can argue that, you know, one of those is a better shooter than the other. I, I would probably go Q as the purest shooter, probably better than Cochran. Cochran do a little bit more, but you know, Q is probably the better shooter. And he wanted one of those guys, I'm assuming, and had to make a trade to get him. And again, this goes back to coach Quartz, like, sure, you can have a trade. Like I don't need college talent right now. I need pro talent. So coach Nat St. Laurent flipped Andrew Q for a pick in this draft, a third round pick. Um, brilliant move by him. Yeah. Brilliant. But uh, that, that, that to me, like what, what were your, your reactions when you saw one, I was surprised. I was like, well, Andrew Q, we haven't heard his name. Like I'm surprised he didn't get picked up in the waiver yeah. wire. And then it turns out he was probably one of the top guys picked and got flipped. So what were your thoughts on Coach Nat's move? As someone who literally has been waiting for years for, for these types of moves to move to, to professional across uh, as a guy that loves mocking trades and doing all those types of things, this is like a dream move for me. This is one of my favorite moves in PLL history, as ridiculous as that sounds, just uh, for uh, the purpose of asset management and all that kind of stuff. I'm really excited to see uh, a guy like Hugh play on this canon just uh, attack you know like Lyle is ridiculous Shane Jackson they have that chemistry bringing in a shooter off ball that can just rip it like Andrew Q I'm really really excited to to see him uh on this cannons squad you mentioned uh Bayhawk heavy hey another guy uh from from that Bayhawk squad mm-hmm. game winner in the 2019 championship for the Bayhawks so really excited to see Andrew Q suit up uh for the cannons and you know like we haven't even mentioned, I know we're talking waiver right, wire right now, but they added Ryan Drenner and Clark Peterson, right? We, we're thinking just entry draft for, for this uh, attack unit for, for the Cannons, and we haven't even mentioned the guys they already had on their roster. So um, brilliant move by Coach St. Laurent. If um, you couldn't see him making that, uh, making uh, your, your roster uh, on game day for, for whatever reason, why not pick them up and, and leverage it? It's like exactly what I was talking about with the um, what I thought Coach Cork should do with a guy like Adam Gittleman, right? That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to see happen uh, in the expansion draft. Uh, the, those draft and trades, uh, really excited. Good, good yeah. work, Coach Saint Laurent. Yeah, well, it's crazy too. Like the just the cannons, what they they did with uh, you know they just have so many attackmen. Like yeah, you know, like John Upgren. You know, how, how do you fit them in when you have Lyle Thompson? Ryan Drenner, Shane Jackson, Bryce Wasserman, Andrew Q. Like, that's their attack right now. They have so many guys. They're going to need to, like, I, again, probably, uh, you know, run some of these guys out of the box. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. But, um, yeah, again, I, a brilliant move by Coach Nat St. Laurent. And let's, you know, give him some love, too, for picking up Brian Phipps, a very, very capable backup um, to back up Tim Troutner. Another Anne Arundel guy as well. Um and, you know, let's say Troutner falters in any way or has an injury, like I would feel completely comfortable having Phipps in cage. I don't think they'd miss a beat at all. So good pick 
pickup by him. Phipps to the whips didn't happen. Um, whips don't need a backup goalie, but uh, you know, I do like seeing our guy, Brian Phipps get a chance to, um, you know, play in this league, even if it is in a backup role. Um, and I think he's uh, the perfect backup for the Redwoods. Now, moving on to the Chrome, uh, they added more of the familiarity side of things when going on this waiver wire. Um, they added only two guys. They had short stick defensive mini Ryan Bevel, who has history, uh, you know, having played for Coach Galloway, um, John Galloway at Jacksonville. And then Greg Weil uh, of the Connecticut Hammerheads, who's played in this league for qu quite some time, was with the launch a little bit. Um, so he, he's another defender for them. You know, I don't know if he's a guy that I'm putting on my starting three, but he's capable of playing. So they added some depth here, uh, essentially. We thought they might take Matt Abbott at short stick defensive mini. Maybe he wasn't available. By the time it rolled around, I don't know. Um, but what were your thoughts on what the the Chrome did? Again, you know, more of a chemistry focus as opposed to adding you pure talent. Yeah, you saw a guy like Ryan Bevel suit up for for that Dallas Rattlers team in 2019. Played 15 games for them, so um, another rat on the squad. You know, we we mentioned that with the Randy Stats edition in the entry draft. Um, another guy, I think. Uh, Coach Sudan is all about the team chemistry, right? We, we, we've mm -hmm. talked about that numerous times with him uh, and, and about this Chrome squad after last year. So um, makes sense. You know, it's, it's those quiet moves that win championships sometimes. And, and these could be uh, part of that, bringing in guys that have strong chemistry with the team you're already building around. Yeah, and, and the Chrome are pretty set, you know, at, at every facet of their roster, um, essentially. So, and, you know, they have uh, four picks in this draft as well. So, you know, they can add some top tier talent that in the college draft and kind of just fill, you know, in some depth holes here on the waiver wire. All right, moving on from the Chrome to the Water Dogs. They only added one player, Matt Witcher, who played for the Barrage, a D3 guy. So we love to see D3 guys who played okay. at York. Um, I was surprised they didn't make more moves, though. You know, good to have a, a midfielder of his capability. Um, you know, he's short stick defensive midi, essentially can kind of go both ways, but it's, you're going to see him more as a defensive midi role. Um, they're currently in the roster sizes at 27. Yep. Uh, they have three draft picks. So again, as we mentioned, like these teams are looking ahead to see like projecting that they want to have 30 by the time going to camp. They don't necessarily want to cut anybody, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but what are your thoughts on water dogs picking up Matt Witcher? Excited to see another D3 guy, obviously. Uh, added to a roster always excited to see that happen and it makes sense he went from uh the barrage the philly barrage to the water dogs right so had a <laughs> seamless transition there yeah and he, he's a pretty big guy too so you know he's going to be a physical presence out there um you know along with Stephen denapoli who's another short stick defensive mini they have and then kyle mcclancy's probably you know the more scrappy st speedier guy that can push and transition so they're pretty much set i think now at short stick defensive mini um, you know, I still would like them to add another attackman, but I, they must have their eyes on somebody in this draft. Um, and the reason why they haven't, because I, I still think they could add another guy um, along with, you know, Kieran McCarlow and Ryan Brown um, to this offense. So we'll see. Um, but they, they didn't make much moves. But yeah, that was, that's pretty much all we have to say about the Water Dogs. Not much there. Um, again, another depth add. Whip Snakes, though, again, I, they're playing chess while everyone's playing checkers here. They got Matt Abbott, short stick defensive mini. You know, how he fell to them at whatever waiver position they were, I, I don't know. Um, you know, they got Charlie Hayes in that entry draft. Now they have Matt Abbott, who was a ground ball machine. Um, you know, one of the best to do it out of Syracuse and in the and, and in the MLL with the Chesapeake Bayhawks. Also added some face-off depth in Kevin Reisman. Surprised right. that they would take took him, but you know, 
very capable backup behind Joe Nardella. I think you're still going to see Joe Nardella take the predominant amount of faceoffs. I think that's a fact, but um, you know, Kevin Reisman, no slouch either. It'll be nice to have him kind of give relief to Nardella if he gets, um, you know, needs some relief or if he gets a, a penalty or anything to yeah. and has to step in. So, you know, good there. We thought they were going to add an LSM. I thought they were going to maybe take CJ Costigle. They went a little bit younger and Alex spring with the New York lizards. Um, another solid pickup. I, I'd argue he was one of the top LSMs the past few years in the MLL. So I, I think that was a good pickup by them as well. Um, but yeah, you know, they have the luxury of kind of plugging in the, these holes with needs. They have four picks in this draft, um, but their current roster size is still only 23. So they could make some more moves, um, you know, as it progresses. Again, this was just the initial waiver wire period. So they could still make some moves um, ahead of this season and the training camp, you know, they're going to have opportunities. The waiver wire was really big this week because it was opening up again, but there's two days each week until the end at April 30th after the college draft that teams can make moves. So you could still see some waiver claims made um, coming, going forward. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think many teams do until after the college draft, but they still have that opportunity to do so if they see fit, maybe they're still trying to work out, you know, with their coaches, what other guys they want to add. But um, again, another good, good pickups by the whip snakes in this waiver wire period. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just crazy to think that they had a couple holes to fill and they filled uh, those holes immediately with a guy like Charlie Hayes with a ridiculously uh, talented guy, uh, stud veteran in Matt Abbott uh, in the waiver wire. Uh, you, You would not expect because of where they were in the draft and the uh, waiver wire positioning would be able to get uh, the players they got. Like we, I mentioned how many times Brian Cole to, to the whips in the entry depth is just ridiculous. Um, Charlie Hayes was a good pickup obviously. And then Matt Abbott, just a winner, right? When you mm-hmm. think of Matt Abbott, you think winner and he's going to the winningest team in PLL history, right? So the, the, the rich get richer. Uh, their moves are just absolutely solid, filling holes that maybe not even needed to be filled, right, in, in some areas. So um, they're just stacked, and they're obviously my um, pick if I had to take uh, a projected champion for next year. Yeah, no, um, I don't know if I'd go that far because the moves the archers have made, but <laughs> the whips are defending champs for a reason, and they're still the team to beat. So I, you know, I agree with you in that that regard um you know maybe my archers biases are coming out a little bit and saying that but uh, let's talk a little bit about the chaos who didn't make any waiver wire moves at all they didn't add any they have a roster size of 25 and six picks in this college draft so again they're already going to have to like make a cut prior to training camp anyway but i was surprised and pick anybody up i know they signed chase fraser and dalton crossan um off of waivers prior to even the entry draft uh, I, you know, Johnny Sturdick and Matt Reese are on their roster right now. They might not be available um, some weeks during this season because of their military commitments. So maybe some of these guys come up, but I was shocked they didn't add a guy because um, we're going to get to, you know, five players, five or six players that kind of were our snubs. And, you know, they could have had really any one of those guys. Uh, were you surprised they didn't make any moves though? Yeah, not, not really, just for the plain fact that, uh, you know, we've talked about this team building aspect, and um, that is such a big part uh, of what Coach Towers talks about, is building a roster that really meshes well together, and they brought three guys in uh, in the entry draft uh, that did just that, and Challen Rogers 
now you have Max Adler at the faceoff X and a guy like Kyle Jackson uh, at the midfield who who's a solid can be a solid role player for them. So um, Coach Towers knows what he's doing, right? Obviously, if you can bring in a, a, a really strong guy, there's we'll talk about in a couple seconds about some of those snubs. Um, but if you're going to end up cutting those guys anyway, because you know you're keeping a specific few players, uh, it makes sense that they're not making maybe those ads right now because there are some studs still available. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I still think, though, you make some moves and kind of figure it out later. I get these coaches don't want to ruin relationships with players and, you know, add them and then have to cut them prior to training camp before they even get a shot. But, you know, let, let's get into our snubs. There are some guys out there that should be on a roster and should be at training camp. And if they aren't, I'm going to be shocked. And again, you know, we, they have till April 30th to find a place on a roster. But, you know, some of these guys, you know, that I'll just list right now that we are going to talk about – you got Dylan Malloy, Tommy Palasek, Garrett Thule, Mark Matthews, CJ Costabile, and Nick Manis. Now, you know, those are like the, 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 really the six guys that we're saying. And again, Nick Manis, you know, is a guy that you think could really excel in this league. I do too. I wouldn't put him maybe in the top tier of those five other guys. I just um, made Hutton, four or five other guys. I made add him. I made Hutton add him to the list because I think he's that good and I think he's that versatile. Yeah, I, and I, I agree too. But, you know, there's like, if he didn't show up to training camp at the PLL, I would be okay with that. Sure. If Dylan Malloy is not at training camp for the PLL, something's wrong, you know? And that's why I'm like, why not, if you're Coach Towers, why not just add Dylan Malloy to your roster and figure it out later? You know, again, he's got chemistry with this attack already, but Dylan Malloy is, would be the best attackman, maybe other than Josh Byrne on that roster. You could say that about a lot of these rosters. And again, I know you don't want to shake things up, but like, if you have a chance to get Dylan Malloy, why not give him a chance to like make your squad? Um, I, I don't know. And I know at, people are throwing out, well, the league's blackballing him because he joined the PLL left to go to the MLL. And then now he's coming back. But that does, that narrative doesn't fit for me because he signed with the league. Yep. If that was the case, he would have never been signed to the league and be available in the player pool to be drafted or picked up. You know, again, I don't know the situation with Dylan Malloy. I haven't talked to Dylan Malloy um, like I have with Tommy Palasek and CJ Costabile, uh, who we'll get to. But, um, you know, Dylan Malloy, young stud attackman, should be on a roster and should be competing for a spot at training camp. Yeah, if you've won the Tuarton in the last 10 years, you probably should be on a roster, right? Yes. If, if you have won the Tuarton and you're interested in playing, you should be on a roster. It, it, there's no other ways to, to slice it. Like, that's... A fact. Yeah, and and I, I completely agree with you in, in that sense. But I, I just when when I look at roster building, if you bring in a, a guy like Dylan Malloy and you have you're set, say you have like five or six attackmen on your squad, right? You're not cutting any of them. Mm-hmm. What what do you do in that situation when Dylan Malloy outplays four, three, four of them in training camp, and then you still make that move? So what what's the, what, where's the value added with making that move? If you already know who that, who those 25 guys yeah. on your roster, maybe I know, I completely understand where you're, where, where you're coming from in, in a sense that he obviously uh, is a top talent, but um, from a, I just go back to that roster building and, and, and team team. Side. Yeah, no, the camaraderie and the chemistry you want to create that, um, you know, so maybe chaos isn't the best example, but like, I mean, water dogs, like, you know, you can run them from X and then you have him, Ryan Brown and Kieran McArdle. Yeah. You know, you just can't tell me that Dylan Malloy, there's not enough room on a team for Dylan Malloy, you know, and 
going off of that, you know, he's the younger one of this bunch. You know, there's some veterans that were left out, like Tommy Palasek is one, um, you know, 31 years old, I believe. But the dude was second in points tied with Rob Pinnell, only behind Lyle in 2019. He was the third leading scorer on the 2015 New York Lizards championship team behind only Paul Rabel and Rob Pinnell. And he's still playing at a high level. Like Tommy Palasek can ball, like get him on a roster. You know, I, I just, you know, I don't understand why, like I can understand and overlook him not getting picked in the draft. I, I can understand that. Like there's a lot of talent, but now the waiver wire, like you're making some of these ads, like just add them to your roster and then figure it out later. You, you know, I, and I know coaches don't want to add players to the roster and cut them before training camp. I get that, but really any team still should have probably picked up house X save maybe the, the archers or redwoods who are just loaded on offense already. But um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And then Costabile too, like some other LSMs were picked up, you know, and I get age is always a thing, but CJ Costabile was the LSM of the year last year um, for the, the MLL. And he really hasn't, if you watch film, he hasn't missed a step. Like why is he not on a roster? And I, I talked to Tommy Palasek and CJ Costabile and you know, they haven't, heard anything like you know this isn't like hey we're maybe interested we're just not sure yet like they haven't heard anything from any of these coaches so I don't know I, I don't want to put coaches on blast they have a reason like they have their job for a reason and you know they have to construct a roster and you know again it, it goes back to you're not creating an all-star team here you're creating a team that has chemistry but you know if those guys aren't going to camp this summer I just don't know what's going on like I, I, I don't have an answer for you so Two other guys, I know, you know, Nick Manis is one we, we mentioned, but two other guys, Garrett Thule, Mark Matthews, a little bit of a different situation than the three I just mentioned and have ranted about. Um, I still think, again, they deserve a camp spot too. Mark Matthews really hasn't had that much field success. He is a stud in the NLL. Um, he also is a guy I deserves to be on a roster. You know, if he doesn't go to camp too, I'm just as shocked as probably the other three. But, you know, if you're looking purely at field success, it hasn't really been there. Um, again, that's not a reason not to take him because you know his skill set <laughs> and he's one of the best passers in the game of lacrosse. That is an asset, whether you're playing box or field. So I still think he should find his way on a roster again. Maybe, you know, chaos seems like a perfect example. And, you know, maybe April 30th rolls around and he's on the chaos roster and, you know, I, I can stop talking about this, but he was another one that I was shocked. Didn't get a look. Um, and Garrett Thule, like he's not that far removed from playing, professional lacrosse he was a captain on team usa he's in great shape like fitness can't be an issue because he's been in the military so i don't understand why a team didn't take a shot on him and i know this league is very offensive heavy but if a team like the cannons is comfortable you know having what seven or eight attackmen that all could you could probably other than lyle like plug in and play like in a bunch of different ways and have a starting attack line you know I feel like other teams should at least add one of these guys to the roster and let them compete for a camp spot, at least going into like, I don't understand. This kind of goes back to, you know, I get if you have six draft spots or if you have a lot of draft spots and you want to meet that 30 mark um, after the, the college draft. Yeah, that makes sense. But what if those college draft picks are just like, yeah, I'm not playing this summer. Well, yeah. then what do you do? Then you go to the waiver wire. Well, guess what? The guys that you could have picked up right now, they're gone because someone else picked them up. So that's what I understand. Like, if you're holding out for a college prospect, unless you know for a fact and you've talked to them that they're playing, like why not pick up a few other guys and then figure it out later? You know, this is professional lacrosse. It's, it's 
a business. It's not, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Like, yeah, it, you know, feelings are hurt because they haven't been picked up, but like pick up a guy and say, listen, I'm picking you up. I'm waiting to see what happens in the college draft and I'll release you to waivers. If that's, you know, if I get somebody that I want in the college draft, I think players personally would be more appreciative of that. And then at least they'd still have another chance to get picked up in waivers after that. But like, if I'm a coach, I'm stockpiling these guys, like all those five, six guys we named, like Adam, your roster figure it out later. I, I don't know. That's the mindset I take because you know, it's a business. So I don't really put feelings into it. I want to stockpile the most talent. And then, you know, if I get college picks that are more talented or that I want on my roster more then you know, you can make, have that discussion with the guys already on your roster. But to me, it doesn't make sense to kind of wait and see because you're letting seven other teams get a crack at those guys as well. No, that makes complete sense. Um, I, I do think because of the, the size of the league, there is more of that. Uh, while it's a business, I think there's more of, of that. Um, we're yin and yang, right? You're, 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 you're taking the emotion out of it more. Um, I, I think those types of conversations are probably happening. Um, and I think there, there's more of the kind of people side of things going on than we expect. And that's one thing I'm really excited as this league grows and develops to just see kind of what those conversations look like, right? Maybe at training camp, hopefully we'll be able to see uh, some, some footage of uh, these types of conversations, like a hard knocks or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I take those players that you mentioned, right? Obviously. Um, but it just, it really is dependent on the situation. I get like to what you're saying too, with like, you know, the relationships and stuff like that, but it's, you know, and you know, maybe all of this is for not because these guys end up getting picked up by a team before training camp. But I just think, I don't understand why you just don't like, I don't understand. Like, I love what the Redwoods did. They clearly only needed one more player, but they picked and flipped them. And you can't do that with every player. You know, obviously I think it worked out well for them, but there's not going to be too many teams that are willing to trade a pick for a player like coach Cork did, but like at least add them to your roster and figure it out later. Like, you you know, stockpile this talent. Like, you know, a a team could essentially have all five or six of those guys and sure. Then they have to make decisions. And I don't think it would make sense to take all, you know, five or six of those guys, but at least take two of them. And then, you know, have a little flexibility going into it. And again, those guys I'm mentioning, I'm more shocked because they would be starting in this league over a lot of other players that are already on a roster, you know, and I don't like, I'm not going to name names because, you know, I don't like to put other players down to build other players up. I don't think it's, I think it's disingenuous to do that, but yeah, I I'm kind of shocked that these guys didn't get picked up and I'll continue to be shocked until after the college draft and we find out what happens, but. Anyway, that wraps up another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Appreciate you guys listening. Let us know if there were any other snubs that we didn't talk about. Let us know, you know, some other team ads that you would like to see. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, feel free to tweet at us. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star review. And make sure you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducan 
Use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order and find your own signature scent.